Let's come before the Lord in prayer. From Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Father, we know that wisdom is not an elusive thing. You give it to whoever asks for it. Wisdom is a gift from you, given to us through your word and by your spirit. Wisdom provides us with an inner strength to cope with whatever comes. How we need your wisdom in our world today, Lord. How we need your wisdom to get through every day that we live. Help us to see the importance of every day we have. Help us to remember how quickly they pass and to not let the opportunities you give be missed. Help us to remember that every day counts. Every day contains things that you have already prepared for us before we even get out of bed. Encounters with people, conversations to be had, opportunities to serve, to encourage, to bless others and be blessed ourselves, to discover more about you and the wonders of nature you place all around us if we have eyes to see. As we go about the work of your kingdom, help us to remember the gifts you have given us to do that work, how you have prepared us, equipped us and go with us every day, leading and guiding loving and caring. When we go into a day that will be difficult, help us to remember that you are with us, that your wisdom is available to us at any moment in even the shortest prayer. Prayer is the door through which you enter into our situations. Keep us mindful of that, Father, and may we turn to you more and more as our first thought and not in desperation as our last resort when things go wrong. Thank you that you are faithful and always keep your word. Your promises never fail. We live in a world where truth seems to be scarce. We are let down continually by people in power, people who want to sell us things, people we thought we could trust. But you never let us down. We need truth in our lives and that truth is found in your word and in your son. Your word tells us to speak the truth in love. Teach us how to do that well, dear Father, to follow the example of Jesus. The one who lies to us most is the father of lies and he constantly prowls around, casting doubt about you, trying to deceive us whispering his lies in our ears and trying to make us see ourselves as of no value and with no purpose. But your word is truth and we thank you that it declares that you love us, not because of what we do, but because of whose we are. We are your children and you delight in us. It's a wonderful thing to remember that you are the light of the world and as we draw near to the light of your presence, you show us the truth about ourselves and how you see us, redeemed, valued, 
precious, significant, sons and daughters of the Most High God, dearly loved and greatly blessed. Thank you that you will go with us into the coming week and all that it holds. Grant us a willing spirit in all that we do. Remind us that nothing is too hard for you and therefore it won't be too hard for us. Give us the wisdom we will need and fill us with the joy that comes from walking every day with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Carol, for the gift that you uh, share with us. Gift of prayer. I love the way you, you pray and the way that you, you get into the word in your prayers. Well, it's great to be back amongst our spiritual church family. Uh, it's, it's been a great time uh, as a family to, to welcome Jethro in our midst and all of that involves. But it's also uh, awesome to be back and to see all your faces and to be amongst uh, who we call family, uh, who we call our, our church. Um, it's, it's, and thank you also for those who have been praying for us and those who have been providing for us, uh, those who have uh, given us emails and texts. Um, that's been so encouraging uh, to know that we are blessed, to know that we are supported and to know that we are loved um, just a couple of things. Uh, we mentioned uh, that Ray Betcher was coming in a couple of weeks and Robin's going to be running the kids' ministry training. Now, that is an amazing thing. Uh, Robin and Ray are um, amazing ministers and pastors, and to have them in our midst uh, by in itself is an amazing thing. But both Ray will be preaching and Robin is going to be doing the kids' training. So can I encourage you, kids' ministry people, this isn't going to be just, uh, oh, it's a training. This is Robin Betcher, and she's an absolutely wonderful person uh, to listen to and to be encouraged by. So can I encourage you to, to get along to that? Uh, my theme this morning is along the words, along the means that words are powerful. Words have power. Uh, I'm sure we can all remember a time in our lives where someone's spoken a word over us that has lifted us up, that has encouraged us, that has brought life into a situation, that has brought us out of a, a down port and lifted us up and brought us life. But I'm sure we can also remember a time and we can recant it, that someone has spoken something to us that has been hurtful and painful and it has had power over us. Words have power. In fact, the, the, the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me, has never been, it's the most false statement that we've ever taught our children to say. Names hurt. They hurt. And there is power in words, and we must be careful with our words. In James, it says the, the tongue is, is the smallest part, but it has such an effect, just like a, a rudder on a ship. It's, it's small, but it can turn, turn the ship. And God chooses to communicate through his word. And when we say, hey, I've got a, a word for you, that's because words 
uh, have an effect on us. Words, when they are used well. I came across um, something this week which was uh, high school students writing bad analogies in their essays. Uh, Now, I don't know if these are analogies or similes, um, but anyway. Uh, High school students writing bad analogies. Her face was a perfect oval, like a circle that has its two sides gently compressed by a thigh master. (laughs) From the attic came an unearthly howl. The whole scene had an eerie, surreal quality, like when you're on vacation in another city and Jeopardy comes on at 7 o'clock instead of (laughs) 7.30. John and Mary had never met. They were like two hummingbirds who had also never met. (laughs) She had a deep, throaty, genuine laugh, like that sound a dog makes just just before it throws up. (laughs) The ballerina rose gracefully on point and extended one slender leg behind her like a dog at a fire hydrant. The revelation that his marriage of 30 years had been disintegrated because of his wife's infidelity came as a rude shock, like a surcharge at a formerly surcharge-free ATM. (laughs) Classic. Words, when used well, (laughs) sometimes are funny, but words have power. And... I am aware that also words that we say to ourselves in our thoughts have power. Now, at the moment, I'm kind of in a state of tiredness. Um, And I probably don't have any right to be because Joe's up a lot with Jethro and I sort of sleep a lot. But nonetheless, I'm tired. And I don't know about you, but when I'm tired, my thoughts change. The words I speak in my mind change. Does that happen to you? When you're tired, it goes from being faith-filled, I've I've got this, um, God is with me, I've got all I need for today, his grace is enough, to kind of, I can't do it, it's too much, Uh, it's, it's all too overwhelming. And the words I speak in, I find myself speaking in my mind change. And the words we speak in our mind are also incredibly powerful. The words we speak in our minds are incredibly powerful. And so I want to encourage us this morning, a wrong PowerPoint, that we have to change our thinking with the words that we're speaking. We have to change our thinking with the words that we are speaking. Because our thoughts are more powerful than you could ever imagine. Our thoughts matter. Caroline Leaf is a... It worked before. Caroline Leaf is a... I've got it here. A cognitive neurologist with a a PhD in communication pathology, a B. SC in Logopedics and Audiology, specialising in 
Metacognitive and Cognitive Neuropsychology. Now, how's that? So she's a, she's a smart cookie. Okay. And you might have uh, heard her. She's done some TED Talks. And uh, there's, there's a, an, a, a growing sense of being grateful, gratitude journals, and, and, and taming our mind. And she says that 75 to 90% of the illnesses that plague us are a direct result of our thought life. Wow. Now, I don't know if that's scientifically measured, but 75 to 95% of the illnesses that plague us are a direct result of our thought life. What we think about affects us physically and emotionally. Now, I was acutely aware of this uh, in my time off, uh, having time off with Jethro. Uh, and I was aware that my thoughts were starting to change and be quite, in an honest way, negative. And on my Facebook post came a, oh, <laughs> we're on, oh, we're on the, so you want me to use this one? Okay, if I could use it. Came a quote from Craig Rochelle. Our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And it kind of hit me. Our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our lives are affected by our thoughts and cause us to move either towards faith and purpose or towards doubt, fear and despair. In Proverbs 23, it says, For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. Now, I see this in my kids all the time. Um, one of my kids this week was trying to learn to ride a bike. And I'm doing the whole thing, walking behind and letting him go and he'd fall over. And he was just, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm never going to ride a bike. And I had to pull him up. I said, if you say that, if that's what you say and if that's what you think, then you will never ride a bike. But if you look at the... <laughs> Look, at you, every one of your brothers and sisters have learnt and every other child in the world has learned to ride a bike, so it's possible you've got to change your thinking, right? So as we think, says Proverbs, in our hearts, so we are. Our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Now, before you say, oh, that sounds very new agey, very humanistic mumbo-jumbo, let's have a look at Romans Eight, five to six. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Now, death here isn't necessarily a literal leads you to the grave, although ultimately it does, it's the opposite of what he goes on to say at the end of the next sentences. Opposite, which is life, joy, vitality, peace, life. So letting the sinful nature, our thoughts that are negative or sinful or our lies from the evil one control us, it causes us to move ourselves towards the opposite of life, but letting the spirit control our mind leads us to life and 
peace. Your inner dialogue matters. Who here talks to themselves? I talk to myself a lot. (laughs) Whether I be mowing the lawn or um, driving the car, I'm constantly talking to myself and thinking about um, and saying words over my life. And if those words that I'm speaking are dominated by negative or critical or sinful or even lies of the evil one, then that's causing me to head towards a certain direction. But if it's, denom- if it's dominated by faith-filled, God-honouring, spirit-led, Christ-centred truth, then that causes me to move in a direct- different direction. Now, I tried to think about a time in my life where this statement would be true. An example of where thinking about something in a different way would lead to a different outcome. And I was reminded of when I was a young lad, I, went, I was in scouts, and one of the last scout hikes we did as, uh, before Ventures was to go to the Flinders Ranges around Wilpena Pound. Now there's a picture of Wilpena Pound. Now this is a fantastic story, and I wish I could have the whole like an hour to talk about this story because it's one of those awesome ones. Uh, I'm just going to be quick on this one today as an example. Um, Wilpena Pound, I went there with scouts and I had this amazing hike the whole way around it. And my dad was um, wanting to sort of, I guess, bond with me a bit and sort of suggested, hey, why don't we go and do a hike together? Um, And he'd never been camping before, he'd never been hiking before. Um, so you can sort of see where this is going. Uh, <coughs> so, uh, will Pina, uh, uh, can you see the dot? Um, so in around here, you can come in and camp, and it's an easy walk into a campsite in here and out again. But for scouts, we decided to, we walked around these ranges into a gorge, camp number night one here, we walked through out to, I can't see, at the end. Whoa, uh, hey, there we go. Uh, St Mary's Peak. That's a good idea. Um, uh, Not St Mary's Peak, Edeo Gorges around here. Now we went in to get some water from the creek and then we kept walking, camped around here, camped around here, walked over here, camped in here, and then walked up St Mary's Peak and out. Five days. Now, my father and I, Dad didn't have that amount of time to take off work. He worked for the government and he had sort of a high paying job. So he had a few days. So we decided to start there, go to the same point, and instead of and coming here, instead of just sort of getting water and, and walking out again, we decided that we'd just walk up this gorge here into this campsite and then out again. Now, looking at the aerial site, that's quite a dark area. And if you look at this picture from behind, you can see the gorge there. It's not a simple kind of creek that you can walk up. It's got huge cliffs either side. We got to a point, we, it was 40 degrees, there was no water. Um, and we got to the point where we were going to walk up that gorge into the middle and into the campsite and we came across a waterfall that had no water in it, but there's just sheer cliffs around us, and there was no way through. But that's kind of how we had to get there, uh, to get out. We didn't have time to go all the way around, so we started scaling the cliffs. 
And we spent a whole afternoon, we were supposed to be back at the campsite in the middle of the pound that night, that whole afternoon trying to get up these sheer cliffs. Got to the point where the sun was starting to set and my dad said, my legs are giving way. They're turning jelly, I can't go on anymore. So we found a rock ledge with a prickle bush on it. And rather than sort of erecting our tent, we just put our tent on the prickle bush and tied ourselves to a rock and slept there the night. And then the next day, with only a can of peaches as our food, we continued to climb up and then we finally got into the camp that night. And luckily there were some people staying there who were directed us to some stagnant water that we could boil. And we had about 20 cups of tea that night. And then we walked out the next day. Now dad's feet, by the way, he had sand, uh, tennis shoes on and he wore his um, heels off. And for six months, he wore a suit to work. For six months, he couldn't wear shoes to work. He had to wear thongs. Um, so that was a situation that we were in. And we, we got out to the end, end of it two days after we were supposed to get out. Now, there was no mobile phones back then. Um, the rangers didn't come looking for us. I don't know why. Uh, <clears throat> now, after that event, my dad said to me, I thought we were going to die. He started to think about, I'm never going to see my wife again. Um, is my will in place? He's having thoughts like that. Now, he didn't tell us as we were walking that those were his thoughts, but that's what he was thinking. Now, my thinking, whether I was just young and naive or that's just who I was, I was just like, oh, yeah, we'll be right. <laughs> well, I'll just walk out of here. Everything will be okay. Like, what's, what's the problem? There's, there's no danger. Just, you know, there's no path, but we'll, we'll find a way. It, it'll be right. That was my attitude, and that's what I believed. Now, if I had the same attitude and thought as my dad had, I wonder what would have had him. I wonder what the situation would have been. Would it have been different? My dad said afterwards, it was only because of my attitude and belief that we would be okay that actually got him through and got him through to the end. So our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you excited about the direction your thoughts are taking you? Be honest. Are you excited about the direction your thoughts are taking you? Are you excited about the words you're speaking in your mind? Last couple of weeks, I'll be honest, I wasn't very happy with the direction my thoughts were taking me. My inner dialogue was one on the negative side. It's too much to do. Can't get it all done. Can't keep this up. This is just so overwhelming. And I felt the like the Lord say through that quote from Craig Rochelle, I need to change my thinking via the words that I'm speaking to myself in my mind. In Romans, very popular verse, everyone knows this verse off by heart uh, in the NIV. Now, I've done the NLT here, the New Living Translation, on purpose because of how it translates it at the end. Don't copy the behaviour or the customs of this world but let God, let God 
but let God, this is not something that we do. This is not something that we are able to manufacture or conjure up in ourselves or have effort to do, but we let God transform us into a new person by what? Changing the way you think. Let God change the way you think. Now, I was uh, sharing with Willie that I was going to be preaching on uh, this verse, and she says, my next sermon that I've prepared is on how to renew our minds. I was like, that's incredible. I'm preaching on that this week. So she's going to come next week and expand this and expound how we actually renew our minds on this verse, and I'm really looking forward to that. Okay, so how? How do we change our thinking? It's okay to just state that, that we need to change our thinking, but how do we go about it? Paul unpacks this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not weapons of this world. He's saying we don't have you know, a sword or a gun or a baton or a spear. That's not the kind of weapons we have. On the contrary, we have spiritual weapons that have divine power. We have divine power. We have divine power to do what? Demolish strongholds. Now, I've underlined that word stronghold because in the Greek, that word is called... Is called Okimora. Okimora. I think that's how you pronounce it. Interesting word. It means a castle or a stronghold. That's why the the translators have put that word stronghold in there, because that's what the word means, a fortress or fastness. But it also means the arguments and reasoning by which a disputant endeavours to fortify his position and defend it against other people's, right? So it's a stronghold. I've got this position, I believe this, and even though you've got arguments, even though you're trying to be contrary to what I believe and what I think, I'm gonna hold fast and build this barrier up because this is, this is I'm building up this stronghold. I'm defending what I believe against what you're, you're coming at me with. Strong's um, word study says that Paul in this is using it figurously as a false argument in which a person seeks shelter. So there's a false pretense, there's a false mentality. There's a, a, it's like being locked in a dungeon and a prison, but it's not locked and you think that the door's locked. And you're holding yourself there, you're building up these walls, these fortresses, these strongholds, that are built upon lies and deceit and wrong thinking. So, it's a bit like the elephant and the stick and the string. Now, you all know this story, don't you? That you can hold an elephant to a piece, a stake stuck in the ground and tied to it. If that elephant has, as a young, young elephant, been tied to it, and it tries as a young elephant to pull itself away from it, and it can't. And so it believes that the, there's a stronghold. It believes that there is power in the stake in the ground to hold it there. And as it grows up and becomes the strongest 
animal in the world, it still believes the lie that the stake is able to hold it in place. That's what an okimora is. It's a stronghold, it's a stake in the ground, it's a belief system that is untrue, that is holding us in place and is holding us captive and is, and is, and is holding us and holding us into prison. We are held by deception, imprisoned by an unreality. I want to ask a question. What if the thoughts that we are thinking are building up strongholds, are building up okamoras in our mind? We don't fight with weapons of this world. On the contrary, we fight with spiritual weapons that have divine power to demolish brick by brick the lies that we have been telling ourselves in our minds. We demolish these okamoras, these arguments, these pegs, and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. What I say this morning, there's some people who are tied to some stakes in the ground, and you're believing things that are not true. And you are saying things in your mind that do not hold up to the truth of who God is and what he has done for you and who he declares you to be. There are okimoras in our lives. I love the way, again, the NLT translates this verse. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, prayer, fasting, coming together, spirit of the word of God, his word, Bible. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down, here it is, strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture our rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So when that negative thought comes, we capture it. We say, hey, negative thought, I'm going to hold you up to the word of God and I'm going to compare you to what God says about me and I'm going to make you obedient to, to the word. Hey, critical thought. I'm going to capture you. You know when it comes. Capture it. Say, hey, your negative thought, that's not who God says I am. That's not what the word of God declares over me. That is not true. Be obedient to Christ. Capture those, those negative, those sinful, those critical thoughts. Make them obedient to Christ. Again, Caroline Leaf, the psychologist, says, constantly controlling your thought life means not letting thoughts rampage through your mind. It means learning to engage interactively with every single thought you have, 
to analyse it before you decide whether to accept it or reject it. Do I accept this thought as truth? Do I reject it because it doesn't stand up against the word of God? She says, consider the following. How many could have, would have, should have statements have I made last week? How many if-onlys were part of my inner vocabulary? How many times have you replayed in your head a conversation or a situation that has pained you? How many times have we gone over and over a situation or a word that has pained us? How many scenarios have you created of an unpredictable future? Our future is, we can't predict what's going to happen, and yet we try to predict and say, well, this is going to happen because of who I think I am. What negative thoughts are dominating your thinking? I want us to take some time to actually think about this even now. What words are we saying in our minds? I can't get it done. I'm not a good enough parent. I'll always battle with this and I'll never beat it. How long can I keep this up? I'll never amount to anything. I am damaged goods. I am nothing compared with those around me. I'll never be good enough. And then I want to ask you, what spiritual truth will demolish those okamoras, those strongholds? I have everything I need in Christ Jesus. Christ in me is more than enough. My faith is in God and in God alone. I am full of the unconditional, unstoppable, unquenchable love of God. My God is with me. He will never leave me or forsake me. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive and available in me. I am who you, God, say I am. How about this one? God did not give us a spirit of fear. gave us a spirit of power and love and of a good or a sound mind. Friends, I did something foolish in my time off. Um, I have a, a Bible app and it sends notifications of a um, verse every day, a verse of the day. Now, in my um, trying to switch off, I switched off that notification because I didn't want to think about anything to do with church and ministry because I wanted to have a break. I wanted to kind of just stop and, ah, this is what I need. And so the notification of my daily reading didn't come up on my phone. That was amazing. Just every day, just being reminded of the truth of the gospel, of the word of God, those memory verses that we are so familiar with, just familiarising, just saying it in my mind, just reading it daily, controls our thoughts, makes them obedient to Christ, helps us to, to demolish the lies that we are being told in our minds. And so no longer have I got this thing every day. And what do I find? My thoughts and my words, my human, my flesh, my sin, 
the, the lies of the evil one. They're there, brick by brick, building up this fortress, this stronghold. And before I know it, I'm finding that my life is heading in the direction of my strongest thoughts. And I wasn't happy with where I was heading. That's why I want to say church is so important that week by week we can come under the word of God and we can hear his truth declared and it can change our thinking. That's why life groups are so important because we can share with those who are close to us, hey, I'm really struggling with this. Hey, I found myself thinking this. Hey, I found myself believing this. Hey, I'm in this situation. And, and those who are closest to us go, hey, mate, that's not true. Let me give you this word. Let me declare over your life what is true and what is real and not let you go down that rabbit hole of building up a stronghold. I was um, sharing with Carol during the week about uh, what I was believing to, to preach on and she sent through something that she received, can you believe this, 25 years ago. She got given a document that had all the things that we say, I'm afraid, I'm a disaster, I can't forgive, I can't go on, I'm too tired, I'm not strong enough. And then what God says, the promises of his word and where we find it. And I was like, wow, Carol, that's awesome. You've had this for 20, and she's been adding to it. And so I've printed off a stack of these, and these can be available if you want to come and grab one. I'm going to put them over here. So as you head out, when you get up in the morning and you find yourself in that negative frame of mind, you can just pin that on the bathroom mirror, and you can go, hey, no, this is, this is true. This is real. This is what God says. I believe God wants to do some surgery on us today. Would we be honest and real enough to open up our lives, to open up our mind and our hearts, and for us to actually identify some okamoras, some strongholds that have been built up based upon lies, based upon untruth. Would we do that this morning? Would we be honest and real enough to go, hey, there's one. I've been believing this about myself. And I know it's not true. And yet I say it to myself over and over and over and over again. And I can feel the wall building up. I can, I can, and, and it might feel safe behind there. And the argument might be coming against it. But I've, got, I've just got to let God come in. And I've got to get, let God change my thinking. God, will you change my thinking? God, will you allow the truth of your word that we are children of God? that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are his workmanship, that we are loved, that he has taken us from the darkness and into his marvellous light, that we are alive because of him. 
May that come and just demolish these things that I've built up in my life and believed to be true. So will you pray with me? Can I just encourage you? It might be something you've never done, but might you just lift up both hands out in front of you as you close your eyes? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that even when we were far off, even when we didn't even know you, even when we turned our backs against you, you have made a way. You have come to us. You have loved us. You have set us free. You have set our feet upon the rock. You have called us your children. You have brought us into your family that we are alive and have a hope and a future and life because of you and what you have done. Lord Jesus, as we are honest and as we are real and as we open up our lives and as we peek in, Lord, reveal to us these strongholds that have been built upon lie after lie after lie. Right now, would you identify that to us? And God, we ask that in a way that only you can do. Lord, we can't do it ourselves. We need your power. We need your grace. We need your spirit to actually come in and with your presence, your love, your truth and your word, may these strongholds be broken. May you tear down what we believe and what we argue to be true. And may you replace it with your truth, with your love, with your purposes, with your word. May we know your presence right now as we sense your healing hand at work in our lives. We pray this in your son's precious name. Amen. I'm going to uh, sing a song. You might have guessed what it is. I am who you say I am. I am not who my mind says I am. We're going to declare that we are chosen, not forsaken, that we are his child. And because of that, we have divine power to demolish those strongholds. As we stand and sing now, I'm going to invite the prayer team down. And I want to encourage you, if you have opened yourselves up and you've identified something in your life that you know is not right, can I encourage you, even where you sit, don't have to come down, but if you want to come down, we really want to bless you and pray for you, lay our hands on you. That would be awesome. But even as you sit and as you allow the, the song to wash over you, allow God to change your thinking. Allow God to change your thinking. Will you stand and will you use this song as a prayer? Will you use this moment as a moment in time in your life to actually open yourself up and be real 
come before him. If you want to come down the front, we'd love to pray with you. If you want to just pray uh, in, your, in your spot, don't have to sing. Just open yourself up to the Spirit of God who's here in this place and who wants to do a work in your life. Let's stand together and sing.